Welcome to Maximal Being, a podcast devoted to ditching fad diets and using real science to get you healthy and feeling great. I'm Doc Mock, a GI and functional medicine doctor who harnesses the power of gut health to get you achieving your goals. And I'm Jackie P, a well-informed layman who challenges the experts and asks the questions that you want. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button or leave a comment. And now, on to the show. Hello, hello, Maximal Beans. It is I, Jackie P, your favorite layman, and I'm here, of course, with the co-hostess with the mostest, largest calf musclelist, Doc Mock, <laughs> down there in beautiful Florida. Doc Mock, how are you? I'm great. It, it's so good to be here. You know, so many people are complaining about the weather down here, but this is like the best when you're coming from Cleveland. So I'm sure in, in, you asked me in like a year and I'm going to be complaining too and putting on a winter parka, but you know, I'll take 60 degrees with the sun out. Yeah. They say that your blood will thin out over time. So you'll be more tolerant to the heat and then the cold will feel terrible. One thing I do miss is a very nice flirting winter. And uh, with us today, we have a fantastic guest. I'm very excited. Uh, PhD weight loss founder, Dr. Ashley Lucas. Uh, she is the founder of PhD Weight Loss. Uh, she holds a PhD in sports nutrition and uh, chronic disease and also a registered dietitian. So I think, Doc Mock, she might know a little bit of what she's talking about. Uh, she sure Dr. does. Dr. Ashley, how, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Such so fun. everyone, I, I, I'm very excited. Doctor, thanks for having us as uh, here to talk to you about, you know, your book and all the fantastic information that you provide. Paleo, keto, vegan, and carnivore. Maybe you've tried them all, but did you have success? Are you still doing that diet? Turns out there's not just one diet right for one particular person. By understanding how your body works and the relationship behind your body's workings and these diets, you can then approach the perfect plan for you. In the Perfect Human Diet course, we talk to you about your body's inner workings and the pros and cons of each plan. We discuss how our ancestors ate and have eaten and lay a framework to tailoring a plan that is perfect for you. To learn more about the Perfect Human Diet course, head to MaximalBeing.com slash courses to find out more. And as always, I'm Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your health. You cannot supplement your way to health, but there are things that we need to add to our lives that can maximize our pathway to wellness. The American diet is virtually devoid of omega-3 fatty acids, which play a major role in cardiovascular disease, gut permeability, and mental health. Personally, I take omega-3s every night and iHerb is the best place for clean, natural sources of supplements. I love the ZenWise Omega-3 Fatty Acid Supplement, which is free of fish burps and good for the environment. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash iHerb, that's I-H-E-R-B, and enter the code B as in boy, D as in dog, B as in boy, 5528 and receive 10% off your orders for all supplements. Maximize your supplements with iHerb. Everyone, for those who may be listening for the first time, I'm Jackie P. I am the layman. I make sure that these two extremely, incredibly smart people keep 
the conversation down to a non-medical field person like myself. And Doc Mock? What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. I'm a therapeutic endoscopist, which is a fancy type of GI doctor that removes cancers in their early phases without an incision. Now practicing down here in sunny Tampa, Florida. I'm also a functional medicine doctor and founder of MaximalBeing.com. Dr. Ashley. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so just a little story about me. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Okay. Take it sure. away. Um, yeah. So I spent my childhood, youth, adolescence, teenage years, and early 20s training as a classical ballet dancer. And I went into the, the sport, I would say, when, when I was probably three years old. And I wasn't very good at it. My body naturally didn't want to conform. It's a very, as you know, a very specific sport and only certain bodies can make it happen. And so I just kept pushing myself to do things that my body didn't want to do. And as a result, I was constantly injured. Uh, I was also told that I was fat countless times, despite chronically restricting my calories and really watching what I ate. And it was difficult for me to man maintain that aesthetic requirement. And so um, I, I had a fairly successful career. I danced with companies across the country, I think mainly just because of my obsessive persistence to push through and um, my persistence to go against any naysayer who said that I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And so I, I, I performed in probably 400 plus nutcrackers and I think had stress fractures for the majority of them in my, my feet and my back, but I kept pushing through. And the accumulation of my career ended where, or happened when I was invited to perform in New York City. And I was so excited to be flown up there and to perform. But instead of finding myself on stage in front of thousands of people, I found myself in the ER. And I had no idea what was happening, but I was so fearful. I felt like I was having a heart attack. And so I brought myself to the ER. And after a whole bunch of different tests, the neurologist said that I was underfed and overexercised and that my body just couldn't take it anymore. Um, and that was a big deal for me. You know, it was like any athlete, my identity, and I had no idea what I was going to do with myself or who I was. And so I, I was fearful of my health future as well. I didn't know what was going on with my body and why I felt the way that I did. And so those years, um, right after the accumulation of my career, where I had to step away, I just felt like a failure. I, I didn't know what the next step was for me. And that was challenging. Um, but I understood how significantly nutrition impacted my own sport performance. And so I went on and earned my PhD in sports nutrition and chronic disease. And I, I went on to study exactly what I was struggling with. You know, um, I believe that there was a way that you could optimize your body and drop body fat without depressing your metabolism. And so that is how I kind of got into the field of, of weight management, looking at what happens um, to our metabolic rate when we chronically restrict calories. And that pertains to all of us dieters out there who just chronically starve ourselves or, you know, our doctors in general tell us that we need to eat less and move more. And how do we do this in a way that's actually sustainable, that doesn't hurt us? And then most importantly, what do we need to do mentally and emotionally, um, the habits and behaviors to create sustainable change? So I really focused on that. 
And after I, I finished all of that work, I went on and I taught at the Ohio State University. So I spent <laughs> quite a few years in Ohio, just like you, Doc Mock. <laughs> and um, I just really there understood that I'm not a patient person and I have to see dramatic change in people. And so teaching while that is fulfilling, it just, I, I needed more, I needed more quick change. And so I went back to school there and completed my dietetic internship to become a registered dietitian, because I felt that that would allow me to be this true expert in the field of weight management. But then there was an issue. I was taught all of the same stuff that I knew didn't work for me. I was told, you know, that people just need to eat less and move more. It's all a calories thing that we need to eat fat free or low fat and avoid fat because it causes heart disease. It just didn't make sense to me when I was learning the biochemistry around how the body works, um, you know, type two diabetics. And they, you know, I was told that you just need to eat carbs consistently through the day. And I didn't understand why that would be when it's a carbohydrate tolerance issue, um, so I basically took all the information that I learned there, flipped it upside down, took what I, I learned during my research and created this PhD approach that we implement into all of our locations nationwide. Um, and man, I just, I think I, I took, I know I took my passion and my obsession that I had in my dancing career and, and have put all of that into helping people just transform their lives and drop weight in a sustainable way and understand, you know, that weight gain really, I don't believe is anyone's fault. It's not a flaw in personality and just sharing that message and helping people just improve their life once and for all. So that's where I come from, where I am right now. Wow. Wonderful. I mean, I mean that is, that is a really I'd say just complex and interesting, uh, you know, as Doc Mock likes to say, origin story, right? Uh, every every origin story for every superhero out there, right? There's always like this huge hill of pain. And then you internalize and say, you know what, I'm going to make sure no one else suffers from this pain. And, uh, you know, you're you're living that and, and, and you know, preaching that. Um, so, well, I'm glad to hear that, you know, you turned that big negative into a positive. And I'd love to Really here, you know, you, you said a couple things and we can back uh, backtrack through them. For the first thing was, uh, I would say like that mental aspect, right? Uh, you know, you, you said, oh, you know, you don't believe that weight gain is someone's fault, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'd, I'd love for you to, you know, maybe unpack that, right? Uh, you know, that the, you know, the, the mindset behind weight gain and how, you know, a lot of folks, inclu- me included, you know, we can be sometimes pretty hard on ourselves in that regard. Yeah, there's so much shame and negative feelings and unworthiness wrapped around our weight when I, I really don't think there should be any of that. Um, so I, I look at it first metabolically. So what what happens in our lives is that we have these triggers and they change the way that we tolerate our food. And the trigger is different for each person. So for example, For women, most often I'll see pregnancy or menopause kind of be this shift in their life where their body just doesn't tolerate food in the same way that it did before. For men, I usually see it with a major lifestyle change or some relationship stressor. And these are the stories where you hear like, gosh, I used to be able to eat this way. And now if I even look at the food I used to eat, I I gain weight. 
And so I find that it's some major stressor in the in our lives that change the way that we tolerate our food. And so we continue along and, and we start to pack on this weight specifically in the belly. And this belly fat that we call visceral fat, we know is really active. These fat cells are different than the fat throughout the rest of the body. They pack in the belly, they fill up the organs, wrap around them, squeeze them tight. And after a while, these fat cells in the belly grow their own ox, you know, blood supply. They get a little oxygen going and they start to secrete these hormones. So we know that the fat tissue in the belly is like an organ. It's like, I look at it like a tumor because it's something that we don't want. And it secretes all these hormones that help to encourage its continued growth. So if we have this fat mass in the belly and these fat cells are secreting hormones that cause inflammation, they cause, you know, increased hunger and cravings. They slow the metabolism to some extent. They make you lazy because the last thing this fat mass wants you to do is go expend a ton of energy. And so when you have this belly fat, you're just in the state of fat storage. And so it has nothing to do with you or willpower or discipline. It's all hormonally driven by this thing that just wants to grow. And so often also, you know, we, in society, we drop weight only to regain it. And I find that one aspect of it is that we only drop a portion of this excess fat weight. Maybe we have 50, 80, even just say 20 pounds, but let's say you have a, a 50 pound hungry fat mass is what I call it. It's hungry, man. It has demands and desires and urges. It's like an entity in and of itself. You have 50 pounds. You're like, okay, I'm going to drop 30. I'm done starving myself, exercising like crazy. I think I'm just going to be here. This is good enough. Well, at that weight, you still have 20 pounds of this excess hungry fat mass working against you. And it's just a matter of time until it all comes back plus more. It's like shaving the top off of a weed and leaving the root. And so that's um, one aspect why I think it's so important we understand it, it's not our fault. It's not just, you know, how we're eating, but the body is just wanting to put on more and more fat with the more that we have. What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black ops shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. Yeah, I think, Dr. Ashley, you brought out a lot of really you know, interesting points, and, and a lot of these fall into our functional medicine approach, meaning antecedents, triggers, and mediators. You know, and traditional westernized medicine we do our soap note or history and physical examination where we get people's information we ignore the things that precede that office visit antecedents that set people up for failure when it comes to weight loss so being born via c-section may alter your gut microbiome which for the rest of your life may make it more difficult for you to lose weight 
the stressors that you were predisposed to when you were in, in your house, or maybe your dad was a super sanitary type person and you didn't get exposed to bugs. And therefore your gut microbiome is set up for failure for the rest of your life. And then we have these triggers, these events throughout our life, these traumas that occur that, that make it more difficult and reset our metabolism. I think you brought up a great point with also, you know, in your own story that it took something, a breaking point and a physical breaking point with your bones to say, like, I need to change the way that I'm thinking. And I think a lot of the people that we work with and a lot of my patients, that's the way it goes too. There's that aha moment. And sometimes it's your body screaming out for relief. If you had to break down Dr. Ashley, you know, that fat mass and the things that you see people come to you for help with, what are their aha or breaking point moments most commonly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm always some kind of diagnosis from their doctor. So I was diagnosed with type two diabetes or, um, you know, I've got fatty liver now and I don't know what that means, but I'm fearful. Um, we had a fellow come in referred in actually from his orthopedic surgeon because um, our local surgeons understand how we do this in a sustainable way. And that by just not only reducing the amount of force pushing through the joints, but by reducing inflammation in how we educate people to actually eat, we can see dramatic improvements in joint health. And so his orthopedic sent us in because he had knee pain for so many years. And he thought that he, the, the patient thought that he would need knee surgery. And six weeks later of shifting the diet and no pain in the knee. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. So joint pain or just um, maybe the birth of a grandkid and knowing that they want to be here for the long term. I had another lady who went into assisted living and dropped 140 pounds because she didn't want to be a burden to anybody. Wow. So I do think it's just some momentous shift most often where people are like, no, or people want to fit in different clothes. <laughs> <For> some <laughs> right. people, it's that. I think it's always a little deeper, but we do have people come in where they're like, I just want to wear cute clothes and feel confident in what I'm doing. And I'm like, okay, Hey, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And one, one of our recent episodes, we were talking to a, a psychiatrist actually about the, you know, the process of developing healthy habits in life. And it takes at least 20 times to be able to do that. And I think that people have a hard time getting to that point. And they have a hard time with, you know, sustaining those habits throughout the rest of their life. And, and so what are some of the things that you use to be able to get people to continue on their weight loss or their fat loss journey? Well, for us, we designed the program to allow only for success. So we measure how much of that belly fat there is to fully collapse. We don't let a client choose, oh, I just want to drop this ambiguous 15 pounds because it's going to make my face look different. We, we don't care about the face. We care about the overall health and the sustainability. And so we make sure we fully collapse that fat mass. And we do that through an intensive program where our clients have weekly one-on-one -on -one coaching. We're, we're not just talking about nutrition and re-educating on nutrition through an unconventional viewpoint, but also teaching them how to eat, what their eating style is, because as we know, everybody's different. 
It's not a one size fits all. So we're customizing the meal plan and tweaking it as they go and teaching them why they're making these choices, metabolically what's happening. And then we alternate those discussions with a lot of cognitive behavioral work. So the habits, behaviors, the mental, emotional, why do you eat the way that you do? What are those sabotaging thoughts? And let's practice how we respond to those in a different way. And then we also use different modalities that retrain the neural pathways in the brain to help really allow those those new habits to sink in. And so every week our clients are doing that and practicing and following up with this. And then once we get the body where it needs to be, maintenance with us is free and forever. I think that maintenance is where the work is to be done. And just like you said, people go back to old habits when that's when we need to put our foot really on the gas pedal. And so we need to practice that and understand that it doesn't just happen. It takes, I always say, at least a year of maintenance practice. You don't practice maintenance when you're dropping weight. It's a different, they're two different beasts. And so we've got to practice that maintenance. I'd say double the length that it took for you to drop the weight um, and understand that it's, it's an addiction recovery process for the majority of our clients. And they don't know that when they're coming in, but they, they see that. And there's no shame or guilt if there is a little relapse or some regain, but we can air correct that, catch it early on and say, okay, what, what bad habits, what demons are coming back? What do we need to focus on? What do we need to practice and remind you of? I mean, even me who, and we, I live this lifestyle. There are habits that, that just drop off. I get busier and, you know, and forget that, gosh, I really wanted to meditate every day. I mean, I've been trying to meditate every day for probably six years and I'm getting better and better at it, but it still is helpful to have a coach behind me, you know, holding me to it. That's why it's a practice, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you bring up a great point. And I think, um, you know, if, if I may tell me I'm wrong, cause I'm definitely not the expert in the room, but I, I think a lot of folks do get hard on themselves when they do slip and, you know, they let, you know, a bad day turn into a bad week, right? And then that, that carries on and they, they feel like, oh, man, you know, I, I went to work and they had chocolates out today because, you know, it was the day after Valentine's Day and they feel like everything is lost. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's very important that you stress the maintenance and the upkeep and the implementation, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I, what I do on, uh, during my day job, right. A lot of it is after you implement the plan is the main t- maintenance and the upkeep. And I think that's something that isn't really spoken to enough in the field of, you know, nutrition, right. Everyone's like, Oh, I, I want to get, you know, my beach body. I'm going to get, you know, washboard abs, but then we don't talk about what happens at the end of summer and into the winter and basically into the rest of the year in your life. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know. That way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science.